Hello and welcome to another episode of the Craft Beer Talk Show. I'm your host, Matt Sausch. This is episode 27. And for episode 27, we're going to do something uh, a little bit different. Uh, maybe something that's a little bit overdue. So just before uh, I reveal that, I wanted to, to talk about a couple things. I've noticed that, you know, sh- you know episode in, episode out, I, I always kind of, you know, say next time or next week, blah, blah, blah. And, that it almost never ends up happening, so I apologize to those listeners who do um, try to listen every single Friday. Um, so what I'm going to do moving forward, just so I can keep track, there's a lot of things going on right now, um, some big news coming up about what I'm going to be doing with the show and, and uh, what's going on in my life. That'll be announced soon, but uh, what I'm going to do to try and keep up and be fair not only to the listeners but to myself, I'm going to do two episodes a month rather than four episodes. So instead of uh, every week, I'm going to do every other week. Um, That way I can put more time um, into each episode and be more prepared. And also, I can be fair to myself and um, not, you know, try to rush something when I don't actually have the time. But uh, I just wanted to clear that up and kind of what you should expect going forward. Uh, But to get to what I was talking about Previously, as you might know, I used to co-host a podcast called Three Guys in a Pool Shed. Um, and in about episode three of the Craft Beer Talk Show, uh, I brought on one of the other co-hosts and a good friend of mine, good friend of the show, Ryan Bond. I talk about him here and there. Um, now, of course, it's it's three guys in a pool shed, so there must be a third. Um, and it's about time that uh, on episode 27, I finally brought on the third member of that trio, uh, my other dear friend, Noah Gould. So welcome to the show, Noah. Yeah, Matt, thanks for having me to all the Craft Beer Talk Show listeners. It's a real honor to be on this side of the podcast because I've been listening devotedly, devotedly from the beginning. I've listened to all 26 episodes and they may not know this, but I am one of the original two guys in the pool shed, which was you and I, uh, almost two years ago now. And yeah, before we dive into it, I just want to say a few words to the audience that I think will really resonate with them. And it's represents how my mind shifted after trying the beer that we, we are talking about today. (laughs) Well, yeah, great, great intro. So on today's show, I actually sent Noah on a pretty interesting mission, which is tying into what he just said. Uh, we were coming up with ways that he could be on the show since he's out of province. He currently resides in British Columbia. Uh, so we're doing this over Zoom, and I'm really, really hoping that it's recording and that we're not about to lose all of this content that we're we're creating. So we thought about maybe sending each other beers via mail. Um, but I was actually at the LCBO one day, and I came across this beer. It was actually in the international craft section. Um, of the LCBO. So I assumed it would be a beer from England or anywhere in the UK. That's that's typically what um, is filled on those shelves a lot of the time. But when I was reading the can, I read that it was from BC. So I thought, oh, wow, this is perfect. And uh, Noah managed to find his way to this brewery, or I was hoping at least a BC liquor store, but you, you went uh, above and beyond my expectations. Uh, and now we're able to have this beer together and and, and try it out. Now, I'm trying it for the first time. You may not be trying it for the very first time as you actually managed to go to the brewery. 
Um, so that's that's a huge plus. So honestly, Noah, this this episode relies heavily on your knowledge and your uh, investigating. Uh, so basically, tell us, tell us, what did you learn? How did you get there, first of all? Because that's something that's um, an a- interesting characteristic about you, a passion of yours, right? So, you know, don't be afraid to to share us how you got there, you know, why you chose that way, and uh, and what happened when you got there. Yeah, I'm really happy to dive into this story. I, I have, a lot of people might not know this, but I have pretty extensive background in doing brewery tours. And despite, I think what made this beer so special was that I just came off uh, about 12 months where I had never had more than four or five drinks on one occasion. And for a majority of that time, I was having absolutely zero alcohol. So this beer is a bit of an emotional beer for me because it was part of the first occasion that involved me, the, the definition would be binge drinking, where I had about 12 to 15 drinks in one sitting. And before... We, I tell you how I got there. I want to tell you what was going through my head when you originally sent me this right. request to go to Russell Brewing. Let's hear it. Love is the magic <laughs> key that opens the gate of happiness. So, happiness oh is the man. art of never holding back in you mind memory of any unpleasant event from the past. Wow, that's beautiful. Now, a little little background info on that is that's a that's a very sacred passage to Noah and I um, believe to be said by the very Buddha. Um, but that also there might be some copyright issues involved in that as uh, we got that information from a Thai restaurant um, in Ontario. But uh that, that's lovely. I'm glad that I'm not sure if you remember that off the top of your head. It seemed maybe a little bit rehearsed, um, but well, it is tattooed it on is, my back. It is rehearsed. Oh, it's on your back. Yeah, it's rehearsed because, yes, I rehearse it every day, 10 times when I wake up. And that <laughs> was what I was holding on to. I was, I was reconciling this change in behavior that I demonstrated because you would have remembered that I was the one who maybe drank the most amount of alcohol in the last five years. So take an entire year off and it was almost as the sun rose, I received the text from New Year's three hours ahead and it just said, hey, Noah, I got a mission for you. You have to go to Russell Brewing. And I believe you sent me that on Tuesday. I said, I'm going to go Wednesday morning. Yes. Wednesday, I had a few meetings, so I pushed it to Thursday morning. And what made it also interesting is that Russell Brewing, as we're going to discover about the way they operate their business. They're only open from 6 a.m. until 2.30 p.m. Mm, and interesting. so the reason for that, so that's why I had to go in the morning. I couldn't go in the afternoon. Wednesday, Thursday was my weekend, by the way. I work at uh, NADA, which is a package-free grocery store. And my week runs Friday through Tuesday. So Wednesday and Thursday, I have a day off, which means the streets are going to be a little less busy. Yeah. And I am looking to go on an adventure. Thursday morning, I woke up feeling great, excited, knowing what was at stake here. And I think you and I were we were trying to coordinate this podcast for yes. just about over a week. Ideally, yep. we would have recorded last week. That's but, correct, yep. So I ended up Thursday morning, I grabbed my tools that I needed for the day, which are my skateboard. I brought my tripod with me and I brought a, uh, a full bag backpack with my lunch in it because I knew when I was leaving that morning, I had some errands to run and I was going out for the day. The exciting part that which you were referring to earlier is how did I arrive? So to give people some some background, I live in Vancouver in in Chinatown, uh, Georgia and Gore Street. 
Matt, you're familiar with the neighborhood? Yep. Yeah, I am familiar. Uh, I'm not even sure if I think the audience does know that when I did the original episode with Bond, I mentioned that I used to live in um, in BC in Vancouver. So yeah, I definitely know my way around. And that was what you know was interesting to me. I looked up where the brewery was. Um, I believe it's in Surrey. And so knowing, you know, kind of your your method of transportation, I wondered, you know, is this going to be possible? Is he really going to test his limits in terms of, of travel for the craft beer talk show? And, and uh, yeah, to my surprise, you did it. And I'll, I'll share a funny story about that just in terms of what, what it means to manifest. And for the, for the listeners, what we're hinting at is that I don't drive in cars. I only can take active transport, which is, bicycling, skateboarding, walking, or public transit, bus, train, uh, I guess, in some circumstances, an airplane. Interesting. <laughs> Questionable, but okay. <laughs> and it's the reason that it's a manifestation is because one year ago, when we were on the Three Guys in the Pool Shed, we were talking about our New Year's resolutions. And I said, I said, my resolution is to never be in a vehicle that has less than seven passengers. And at the time, it seemed impossible yeah, this was a pre-pandemic world for sure. How, yep. However, we find ourselves in the future where the only time I'd ever need to take a car, I because especially living in downtown Vancouver, my work is relatively close to me. All my amenities are close by. I don't even own a vehicle. I haven't been inside a car more than I think it's been three times this year, mm-hmm. and probably less than twenty in the last year. So our manifestation to never be in a car came true. But uh, yeah, so I took the I took the bus. To also, that means maybe I manifested the pandemic, which in that case I apologize. <laughs> so what, what would it. you what would you do though if you were the only person on the bus? Does that is that okay? Is that <laughs> well, okay? And, and it's the question you ask because <laughs> given where we're going with it tonight, this is the full loop now of what we're going to do to the end of the angry Scotch Pale Ale. Is that I took the bus home as one of the fewest passengers last Friday which was also the uh, the conclusion of the evening I had with the beers from Russell Bruin. So I'm glad right. that we're going to go all the way through the narrative. Perfect. Well, that, that's good. And I, that's, uh, I definitely uh, congratulate you on, on sticking to your goals and uh, accomplishing uh, that manifestation. And uh, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of people out there who'd say, no, I can't do it. And uh, I think every time I've heard that, I always think, no, it can. So that's oh. that's definitely for for sure a, a massive accomplishment. And uh, let's actually let's move over. That's aside from Russell Brewing. So that's how you got to to the brewery. So before we dive into actually you know the tour you went on, who you talked to, what you learned about these guys, um, we typically talk about the style uh, and history of kind of the beer we're we're doing. And we're doing a, a scotch ale. You just called it a, a scotch pale ale. That is, that couldn't be more wrong. Um, but uh, we're doing a scotch ale. Where do you think, Noah, scotch ale comes from? Like, where do you think this style? Obviously, this beer was brewed in, in Vancouver, British Columbia. But where does scotch ale originate from? What, what are your guesses? What would be your thoughts? Yeah, if it was before last week's tour, I would say Scotland. And... Okay. If it was after last week's tour, I would also say Scotland. Okay, interesting. So, Scotch ale comes from Edinburgh, uh, in Scotland, and Scotland actually has a very rich brewing history 
that not a lot of people know about. Like, I think a lot of people associate that, that part of the world with, you know, English brewing. Um, obviously, it's, it's a massive impact on the brew uh, and the beer we know today. Uh, but I always find that there's kind of two versions of where Scotch Ale kind of originates from. You know, you have a lot of people who say that basically uh, English strong ales made their way through the UK into Scotland and the Scottish made it their own and kind of just they called it scotch ale now this is at a time where obviously there's not scotch in it but hops aren't um, a readily available thing in scotland as other parts of the world so they had to use things that um, were more accessible to them and something they were really good at is malting obviously you know scotch as a drink and whiskey is comes from a very rich malting um, process that that's how you get the drink so they kind of impacted that on this style of beer. So some people say it kind of was a transformation um, of the English kind of brown ale or strong ale, and then they took it and turned it into Scotch ale. The other side of things is, is going way back in time um, to the monasteries and brewing is actually um, a lot to do with, with this, this religion and, and that, especially back in the day, right? Um, that, that could be a different time. Cause that's, that's a whole, uh, concept in its own but these scottish monasteries uh, were brewing beers and at the time they were brewing these beers that were called shilling beers and so the shilling refers to basically the strength of the beer so you had like 70 shilling 80 shilling 90 shilling um, this was handed down over time but as most things do the the actual shilling was replaced with uh, light heavy and export and the heavy was very commonly referred to, is very common, commonly referred to as a wee heavy. So that's why you'll always see kind of uh, with Scotch ales, this one in particular, um, a wee angry Scotch ale. Now, the angry part, I'm not too sure where that comes from, um, whereas typically it would be a, a wee heavy. Uh, and wee heavy and Scotch ale are pretty much the same same thing if you were to refer to it. So there's there's that side of the story where it's it's, you know, it, Scotch ale was Scottish from the get-go, and it was Scottish monasteries who kind of uh, brought it to light, whereas the other side is it's just a derivative of um, English beer, where that's a very interesting statement because I was watching this show um, on Netflix. I can't remember the name of it now, but the ho- uh, David Chang, very uh, popular chef, he's the host of it. I think it's called like, I don't know. I don't even want to try because I'll make a mockery of it. But it's very interesting because he brings up a point saying, well, don't things basically just come from like, for example, like pizza, like you would argue pizza is Italian, but some people might argue that pizza is actually a derivative of maybe something Asian that was passed down from ancestors um, and settlers who, who just settled in a different part of the world and, and made do with what they had to recreate what they once had. So that's, that's maybe a a perfect example of this Scotch ale. Is it actually Scottish? Sure. Um, Is it potentially a derivative of English beer? That could be possible too. Um, All we can do is just embrace it and uh, enjoy it um, and and drink it. And that's, that's the part I like. And uh, I think learning about the beer, um, you know, just goes deeper into, into beer passion. And that's kind of how you fall in love with it. But uh, hopefully, hopefully some of what I just said falls into what you learned when you were at Russell Brewing. So now why don't you take us 
to you know you're you arrived at the brewery what, what's the first thing you do you go inside obviously or maybe you don't yeah first i just want to say that i i really like to touch on the importance of learning about a beer and i think that just goes to being connected to the beverage at a deeper level than just you purchasing at a store and just trying to get as many into you as possible as fast as you can right because that's what i find makes the beer drinking process intimate and it gives it a little bit deeper meaning versus just going out and yeah drinking 12 to 15. so i arrived by bus the weather was fairly fairly pleasant i was reading on the bus i also did some push-ups along the way on the train i was doing the ss challenge yeah and it took i think about an hour and 30 minutes total transit i had to take uh, skateboard sky train bus and uh, dropped me off in surrey which uh, the last time i was there was in september and i have a pretty strong emotional connection with surrey given uh, past circumstances however when i walked i was taking skateboarding about five minutes from the bus stop and immediately I noticed it's part of a, uh, a commercial plaza okay. and it's on the far right side. And I would say it's got about two full storefront units at the front of it and a, and a beautiful sign that says Russell Brewing. And there's no obvious doorway. I was looking for probably a tasting room right. uh, that would be kind of like a bar and have an, an obvious opening. And I went over to where the tasting room was and it was essentially empty. They had just a sign on the wall, maybe one fridge. Floors were kind of torn up. Clearly they were doing some renovations in there. Okay. And then I had to go around the left side to find the door. And it was, it was a really indiscriminate door. It looked more like it was just a business door that people that were coming to do the business operations would go through. But that was the one that said, walk in and uh, we'll help you on the inside. Yeah. I walked in and right away I'm head toward this large glass office and the individual standing there immediately, he gets up and he says, oh, what can we do for you? And I, I felt like I was a messenger from <laughs> the kingdom of craft beer talk show. My name is Noah. I have been sent here as a special envoy on behalf of Matt Salms, the host of the craft beer talk show. I have been commissioned to come here and purchase your beer and then uh, feature you on next week's episode. Wow. And what was and his reaction to that? So he said, my name's Steven. I'm the general manager. I have and no idea said, who Matt is, but. No, he, uh, he said, the craft beer talk show, we've been expecting you for uh, a couple of weeks now. We, we're surprised it took this long, but we welcome you. And awesome. Yeah, good to hear. He, he pulled out two, two beers, the Prohibition 1921s. Okay. Enemy one, and we chugged them on the spot. Said, "Let me show you how things go here." Wow! <laughs> wow! That what a story that is. Yeah. That is. So it, he was he was really welcoming, and right away he just said, "Hey, you got you got some time?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Perfect. If you want, I'll take you on a tour, and we'll figure out what kind of beers you like." And he was just really pleasant. I also think that he appreciated that there's someone out there that that is going through this much effort to want to learn about the story, right? I think yeah. a lot of what you've shared on this podcast is that brewers and people in the craft industry, they're so passionate about it and yep. they want to share it with the world. So he was more than, more than happy to give me a little tour. And right away, he brought me over to the tasting room and just explained to me, he said, look, no better time to, uh, to do some renovations than during a pandemic. 
it's the same idea with if you're going to get some dental work done, do it while everyone's wearing a mask, right? No one's going to see your mouth. Get your braces, get your repairs you need to do a root canal, great time for it. And then he proceeded to bring me through the back. And it was almost like walking from the office and the tasting room back through a yard. And then it was the brewery. And mm-hmm. on the way out, they also had uh, some some of their storage, which I got to see. It's it's really fascinating because I've been to the Sleeman Brewery before, which is a right. large, one, one of the largest operations there can be. But to see a craft brewery, I think a lot of us kind of almost, we picture a craft brewery as someone selling beers in their basement. But the reality is they can still grow to be quite large operations. Absolutely. And they, as, as I learned throughout the process near the end of it, they're shipping all around the world. They're shipping to, uh, to Asia, to all across Canada, to all across North and South America. Yeah, so it's amazing. They, it, it is amazing. They have some, some major clients. And yeah, first he, he brought me through where they, they store a lot of their beers. And then he brought me across the yard to the, uh, the brewery itself. Okay. And the first thing we stopped at was just a, a bucket or a tote, one of those big bins of spent grain. And yeah, yeah. what I really appreciated was the smell and the color and the look. And it, 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 it looked like it had been through an entire life. And yeah. so, somehow it was still on this journey. I, uh, they use their spent grain. They just give it to, to livestock feed, which yep. even though I'm a vegan, I appreciate uh, the spent grain going to an additional use and being part of the circular economy. Yeah. I just put my spent grain in the, uh, in the garden. Oh, which is an excellent use for it, right? This is spent grain is really a, a miracle ingredient. I think it has so many different uses. But uh, then we, we moved on into the facility and immediately I was uh, just a bit in awe. I think for anyone to, to spend so many years behind, behind the can, it's really, really fascinating to see what's going into this and how many people are really working at it. There were about 15 people in there and every single one of them had a smile on their face. <laughs> they, they were happy <laughs> to be doing what they love, which is oh. brewing great beer. This, this seems like a like a, a dream come true brewery. Like there must have been a rainbow over the brewery the entire time while you, this was happening to you. Well, so that's actually the rainbow is part of their filtration process. We're gonna oh, perfect. In a moment. Yeah, perfect. So the first thing they showed me was on the right side. It was the machine that makes the 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 barley, the grain go into the first oh, it's like a hot like a hot liquor tank. Yes. And it was the, the terms we used were grist and mash. Okay. Yep. And if you asked me so last, last week, I could have told you a lot more about what they so do. So that's I the process where they're, they're, they're going to mash in. So basically you have a set temperature uh, of water and you're going to take all of that, whatever type of, uh, of grain is in your grain bill. And that's going to go into that water and just like tea, basically stay uh, steep and make uh, a wart. Right. And trying to uh, extract all of the sugars that are, are in that um, that that grain. So that'll that depends on the on the the, the recipe. But uh, then you'll have the process of mashing out, which is taking that wort, transferring it to your brew kettle. Um, and then that's where you get the, the spent grain from. And where is the grist in this process? The grist? Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what grist is. Okay, so grist might be a secret that sets uh, that they sh- that they shared with you. 
that sets the part <laughs> that I now know. And everyone within the craft beer community, well, you better send uh, a thank you to Russell Brewing because you're getting exclusive uh, insider I, information. I have not heard uh, the term grist before. Okay, but well, how, I'm I'll, not. I'll, I'm not a very uh, accomplished home brewer myself. Yeah. So um, maybe that's something that the pros, the pros only know. Yeah. So they, either way, we were there for about 30 minutes, and he was just explaining to me the entire process, educating me, and really enlightening me on the art that is beer making, whereas a lot of us just view it as as a business. And then after it went from that heating tank. There were, it went through a cooling process that I believe brought it to a specific temperature and then eventually got into the large cooling tank where it gathers and I believe all the, it, it would stay there for a few weeks as the yeast settled. Yeah. So, into, so basically once it, once you get from your hot liquor tank into your boiler, that's where, you know, you heat it up, right? Just like cooking a, a stew or a soup, um, you're going to add in your hops, um, anything, any sort of additives. And then depending on the time that you add them, all have um, a, a different reason, rather more so for aroma, more so for taste, mouthfeel, those kinds of things. Um, you know, when, when you're done brewing, right, that's when it goes through the cooling process because you need to get it to a certain temperature for the yeast to activate with that uh, wort because it's not alcohol yet, right? It's that yeast that's going to eat up all those sugars. Um, you got your B amylies and your A amylies and... Um, they're going to eat up all the sugars and then that's when it's going to turn into alcohol over a set period of time. So those are the fermenters. Um, and then every, every brewery does it different, right? There's secondary fermentation, barrel aging, um, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I don't know, did you learn particularly about the Scotch ale, uh, anything in particular to how that beer was made? So the Scotch ale, No, <laughs> I'm, taking, I'm taking the I'm taking the, the look on your face as when you went to answer that question as like I'm searching for something to say that they told me about this Scotch ale, but it doesn't exist. Yeah. So what I will tell you is that they are jacketed, the, okay. um, which allows you to yep. control the temperature pretty much to the tenth of a degree. Yeah. And the Scotch ale was held at a particular temperature for a particular period of time. That right. I'm not at liberty to share because Ooh. they can't give out all their secrets to that beer. Wow. But okay. what so, I will say is the temperature and the time, they would shock you from what you would expect. Scott, you know, prepared by. Very interesting. So if people want to know, they should too go on this tour. Or do you think that you maybe only got insider information because you were sent from the craft beer talk show? Well, I, I can tell they were nervous because I wore a button-up <laughs> shirt that day. So they thought I was a big shot. Oh, shit. They, they knew, they said, we haven't heard of the craft beer talk show, which means they must be pretty big in the U.S. That's what they were <laughs> imagining. <laughs> they couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's our hardest market. Well, that's awesome, though. Hey, you know I really appreciate you doing this for me, and um, I would have loved to have joined you on that, uh, that journey for sure. Um, but unfortunately, you know, that's, that's why I have, um, all these correspondents, you know, some might say all over the world, even though this is the first time it's ever happened. First time but, we uh, started it. Hey, you know what? I, I'm thinking that this might have to be more of a regular thing. Yep. I think I might have to send you to more. Now, when I was living in, in Vancouver, there was a bunch of breweries that I went to and I can't necessarily remember any of them. 
Um, I remember the last day, literally before I got on the plane to come back to Ontario, I went to like six different breweries with my buddies and was just annihilated before getting on this plane. And uh, I remember, remember going, trying to, my girlfriend at the time, trying to find her in like my phone died. Like I was an absolute mess. I was like, it was a send off, absolute send off for me. Right. And uh, <laughs> I, I was trying to like find, finding somebody without like having to contact them being like, they're somewhere in downtown Vancouver. I have no idea where is actually quite difficult. So anyways, I remember I finally met up and then we went to the airport and uh, she was with some friend. And I remember her friend not being very impressed with me, but <laughs> You know what? Things didn't things didn't work out. Maybe for a reason, right? And Matt, the fact that you said this almost is identical to what my experience after the Scotch Ale, <laughs> Scotch Ale was last Friday. So I'm looking forward to to, to tasting it together. Yeah, now, and then I think talking it's, about our experience with it. I think it's absolutely time for us to uh, to taste this thing, and uh, I'm very excited. Very excited. I learned a lot. And uh, I'm going to crack this open right now, give it a pour, and uh, we'll go from there. So I'm just going to grab mine. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and grab yours. excellent pour Matt. almost looks like mine that is lovely yeah yours looks really really good um so let's let's give this thing a smell and and basically so did you actually oh can you actually hear me i wasn't even picking up the microphone there <laughs> i can definitely idiot. hear you a lot better now all right so did you actually taste this beer while you were at the brewery or you just you got it to go and then this is so unfortunately they didn't have any draft capabilities at the time right so they sent me on my way in a 650 milliliter bottle mm, okay very yeah. very kind of them so is there anything that's that's we're good i guess you've tasted this before right yeah so i'm going through it for the first time uh anything that i should be looking out for that that you think well, uh, really stood out to you. I'm not going to give it away, but okay. as you mentioned earlier, there's a reason they call it angry. And interesting, you might not find out until about halfway through the glass. And that's because it's pretty boozy. Well, it has to do with the grist that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> okay, so definitely very strong of like caramel flavors, very malty. Uh, which is what I would honestly expect from a, from a Scotch ale. Now I find a lot of people when I, when I say, Oh, like I had this Scotch ale, they, they typically almost don't like them. And I'm just thinking there's really no purpose 
to not like him. It's just a strong beer, very malty, strong beer. It's like a brown ale in a way. Um, but uh, in terms of color, it's it's kind of like deep, deep brown, maybe some reddish tones in there. I really honestly, when it comes to these beers, I have not a clue. They basically look black to me. But that's just, you know, that's seeing out of my eyes. Like, what would you describe this color as? You, you're, you're better, you know, color proficient than I am. So Yeah, so it's, it's, it's an interesting question because what color did I see the beer as when I first had it? Or how would I describe my memory state after drinking it, right? And I remember I was drinking it on the beach in the nighttime. So it looked wow. pretty dark to me as well. Okay, so let's give it, I'm going to give it a taste here. We're going to taste together, all right? Yes. Let's go. Hmm. I think I'm tasting the grist right now. Yeah, the grist hits you immediately. So it's interesting. It's definitely very, I, I actually find it. I mean, what is this? This is six and a half percent. And honestly, in my opinion, that's really not that strong. Um, 30 IBUs. It's not very hoppy. Um, it's pretty mild. Uh, it's definitely, it's definitely had this like roasty kind of vibe to it. Um, but it, it's nothing like a, like a porter might be. Uh, I'm looking on the can to see if there's any sort of like tasting notes that, that they think that their this Scotch ale would stand out amongst others. Um, I'd say it's, it's, it's nice, uh, but that's only the first sip. I do find it, like I said, fairly boozy from the start, but there's a lot of beers like IPAs, double IPAs that are well North of six that, uh, you know, are, are boozier than this. So let's give it another sip here and, and see if we can dissect the profile. And just while I'm not sipping, I'll give a, a quick side note here. The reason I ended up with an angry Scotch pale is because I asked for the heaviest beer they had and 6.5 was what they provided. Interesting. It's It almost like to me has this kind of like whiny um, taste to it, like almost as if it was like a, like a Belgian, like, um, like barrel aged kind of beer. Like it almost has that, like I did this one beer from, um, from Cambridge and uh, it was called the catacombs. And uh, it almost in a way is like a milder version uh, of this. And it was a, uh, a Belgian barrel aged, I think double, uh, double sour maybe. And uh, it was, it was pretty intense. Whereas this one, uh, definitely a lot more mild. I, I honestly, you're telling me I'm going to see where the angry comes from. I don't see it yet, but I could, I could see that it, it, this beer would catch up to you. Um, and it, it does almost have this kind of like sharp sort of mouthfeel almost as like, if you were drinking uh, liquor, like liquor in a beer format. So that it's, yeah, it's definitely an interesting, and interesting beer. I would like to make an observation there that I extrapolated is that when people look at it and they say, what makes it a scotch ale? Yeah. I like to tell people, I say, look, it's 6.5% alcohol. So almost picture it as 1.5% closer to being scotch than it is beer. So it's not, it's obviously you're still a beer, but it has yeah. those slight features of maybe a scotch like beverage. Yeah. And I, I just think that like, for example, this catacombs beer I'm describing, it was 11, 11% beer. And so, like, I could imagine what they th anticipate by calling it angry 
is how I felt after having that catacombs. I felt angry in a good way. <laughs> and but. I would like to add to my experience on why I got to the angry portion is because keep in mind, I had it as my fifth and sixth drink of the evening. So it depends on, on where you put it into your roster. And I would say just like any good beverage, the, the effects come in hours after and they might last for days, weeks, if not the rest of your life. Wow. That's deep. Now, as I'm drinking it, it's almost getting like sweeter. Every sip I take, I almost find it sweeter. And I find that it's just, it's very, very malty um, and caramelized in its its profile. It's nice. I don't know if I could enjoy multiples of these. I think if you're going to Russell Brewing, definitely check this beer out. It's pretty good, but I think we should probably give it a score. Noah, I'll let you go first. If you want to give it a score out of 10. Oh, now, it's, not out of, it's not out of 40? It's uh, no, it is not. That out was of, the three, the three guys in the pool. Three, I think it was actually sixty. Oh, okay. Well, so go ahead and give it, give it your score. I, I gonna, think I, I have a guess at what your score is going to be, <laughs> but uh, go ahead. Yeah, I think everyone knows that I was a big fan of not only the beer and Russell Brewing, and they're absolutely correct. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a ten out of ten. <laughs> that's that is absolutely um expected from you so i i would say the beer it's it's nice i wouldn't say it's you know standout-ish at all um it definitely is maybe one of the more pleasant scotch ales that i've had some of them can be um a little bit aggressive um a little bit overwhelming when you when you taste them whereas this one it's nice i don't really care for it being so sweet uh i would have preferred a little bit more bitterness but uh, obviously with this beer, uh, the addition of hops isn't really, you know, in the style. It's, it's all about that maltness. And that's, you know, a key characteristic of malt sweetness. So I'm going to have to give it a, a 7.7, 7, uh, which I think is like ballpark. Like it's pretty good. Um, it's by no means bad. Um, now, then again, right, it's all about what you like. And uh, I do really like brown ales, um, but I definitely would say that the hop edition for me is something that uh, I prefer, whereas, you know, less hops in this. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do have a, a lot of hops. Obviously, they didn't uh, They didn't want to reveal all of their secrets to Noah, but uh, 7.7 for me. And Noah, once again, I just want to thank you for, for doing this. It's been a blast. Um, you were definitely 10 times better than Bond was. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, I, I really hope that, uh, we can have you on again. I really hope we can do something like this again. Uh, cause if I'm looking at the two of you bond, he didn't go out of his way. I literally had to even buy the beer for bond. Can you believe that you wow. went out of your way, took public transportation, whatever method possible to get this beer and gave the listeners inside information. Whereas Bond, he needs to pick up his game. We'll see what he brings the next time he's on, but uh, it's thin ice, thin ice. And, and I appreciate it. I also appreciate Bond's efforts because I know he is going to bring it next time if he has the, the privilege of being back on the episode. I have no doubt in my mind he'll, he'll step it up. I would like to make a suggestion about this beer and potentially a future, uh, maybe a future practice that you can incorporate onto the show. And let's talk about the craft beer roster because I think what I've noticed on the show is you're only talking about a beer if it's a beer on its own. 
but I find, especially with my experience with the angry scotch, is that it fit in to be the perfect fourth and fifth drink of a night. And I think when we when we deal with a lot of different beers, sometimes the importance of how how you drink them in your evening, because most people, not everyone, is drinking craft beers have once on a day after work. Some people right. are having six to eight of them. And yeah. that in itself, I think, is an art form that deters people who might otherwise look to generally binge drink and steer them away from craft beers because they don't know the the best way to drink them in sequence. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, I'll definitely keep that in mind. And definitely I'll add that um, to when I'm describing the beers, when you should be drinking this, uh, whether it be when you first wake up, whether it be after a long <laughs> hard day's work, or whether it be um, as a nightcap or something like that. But um yeah, if you want to learn more about uh, Noah's exciting adventures, check him out on Instagram at Noah Waste. Um, he is doing a tremendous effort for the environment. Um, he seems to have, I don't, I don't know if that's a real tattoo or not, but uh, he is showing a tattoo to the uh, internet. And uh, check him out because uh, you don't want to miss it. You'll learn a lot too. So until next time, cheers.